Okay, here we go now. Well, welcome to Old Dog New Tech, the podcast that explores edtech ideas, innovations, and integration methods from the experienced old dog side of things. My name is Jeff West, and I've been a K-12 music educator for 27 years, and I am passionate about edtech. I love using it. So let's get started at taking a look at how this can be used in your classroom. Welcome to episode 58, Old Dog New Tech. I'm Jeff West. Hope your summer's going well. Mine is going very well. I've had a great summer, and you can probably tell that because I haven't been podcasting as regularly during the, as I did during the school year. And I am sorry about that, but I'm also not sorry about that. I traveled, and I took some time for me and my family, and uh, we had a, a really nice summer of different visits and a nice trip out west, and hope you've had a similar rejuvenating summer. Sorry, I'm a little bit uh, full of allergies here, a little stuffy, so I'll try and use my radio voice. No, I'll just talk. I kept reading uh, articles, though. And I was listening to some podcasts, but I had noticed uh, in the articles and podcasts that things were, I guess, for lack of a better term, slowing down a bit. And even those who are the gurus or the regular shows and the big names and so forth, as I'm listening to what they're saying, I'm going, not that it's not a good subject, but we talked about this. So I think the theme that I kind of picked up on was... Uh, that what is out there, we need to integrate and we need to take our time and do it the right way. I think sometimes education gets caught up in what everything else is doing and tries to move fast like everything else does, and we just don't move very fast. So if you're just getting into tech, that is great, awesome, welcome, and don't think you're behind because you're not. Um, I'm going to do uh, oh, this podcast and uh, a couple more, I think, on a on some tech tools that I have used and I talked about in the last season, last season, season one of Old Dog New Tech, but coming back. But uh, there have been some changes, and I'm going to highlight the big changes, if there are any, and continuing uh, offering some ideas and best practices for integration and um I'm noticing that the new tech tools that are coming out, because there's still some, uh, have a better interface. But they kind of do what the tools do that I mentioned previously in Season 1. So, in my opinion, you're not behind. So, this episode is going to focus on student needs assessment. We're starting out the year, and we need to figure out where our students are at. And so, here's some ideas on how to find out the where they're at, and where they want to go. And that part, I think, is so important. And it fosters an environment that could help develop other skills, you know, like collaboration or discussion. So let's get going with that. Most teachers I know are very good at assessing student needs, and they're very accurate at figuring out the, a good solution to closing a learning gap. And I know I thought I was great at it until I tried utilizing different types of assessment. Now, before I go much further, let me talk about 
assessment here, and I'm not talking about a test or pre-test or anything like that. I'm just talking about finding out, as they say in the project-based learning world, the needs to knows and the knows, or knows and needs to knows, however you want to say it. So, you know, I used summative and formative tests, of course, and as a band director, you know, the line's pretty clear. Did it sound good? I mean, basically speaking, that is. This is similar to the right or the wrong answer on a test or a, a few questions, a quiz you might, you know, a pre-test you might give. And then you can make a determination uh, about a student's ability or understanding or where where they are going to struggle. So content, uh, considering the introduction of a lesson or a piece of music, I would often have a discussion question that I try to elicit some answers about what the students knew or what they know, or what they remember. And I would have verbal or written formats, and uh, those were the primary tools I used. Although, because um, I'm operating within a finite amount of time, getting into rehearsal or content seemed more important. That was before technology, but now that I use technology uh, regularly, I wouldn't say I use it constantly, but regularly, I still feel that the content is important. Is in, is important, but the needs assessment has grown in importance, and I take a little more time to determine where students are and also where they'd like to be. And technology helps me streamline this process, and I think it'll help you. Um, I also like to find out about how they view his or her ability. You know, have a little self-reflection piece in there. You know, on our scale of one to five, where do you think you are now? Where would you like to be? And this is an important uh, step, I think, for getting that learning gap information because we educators know that self-concept, how a per how a kid feels about themselves, I don't care what subject it is, but going into things, it's, it's key to their success. So when I do a needs assessment about a specific subject or skill, I'm also paying attention to the student opinion of them, of themselves of where they think they are, what they think they can do. And that is the biggest change that technology has brought to my classroom. Because you can't really go down the line in your classroom and say, how do you feel about that? How do you, what do you think you're going to do? And, and expect to get uh, an open or even an honest answer. You know, I don't know. Or, okay, or fine. I mean, you might get those one or two kids that are comfortable with who they are and don't mind answering that so everybody can hear it. But in most cases, they're not going to just offer that information up for everyone in the room because it opens them up to uh, ridicule or judgment by their peers. And depending on how you run your classroom, that may not be something they're comfortable with. So I always like to inc include a question or two that requires them to give themselves a grade or, or self-assess or, you know, how, how familiar are you, you with these terms and do you remember them? Have you ever seen them before? So forth, so on. Questions like that are, are really good to get a rough idea of where a student thinks they are at because if they're answering zero or one on a scale of five being the highest, that tells you something. So if they're, if they're down there, sometimes that will get like a little separate low-key visit, say, at the doors. They're walking in. Hey, how you doing today? How's the yada yada going? How you feel about that now? You know, I think you're doing a lot better than what you think. 
I think you you've got some skills and then say oh but you know and then maybe recognize you do need to develop this though I think maybe is that what you're talking about and then I I have seen that help a student feel better about who they are and what they're doing admitting the weaknesses but also seeing the strengths Sometimes during a rehearsal, I'll have them play, and if they play or recognize or demonstrate understanding toward the concept that it was questioned, you know, uh, on the needs assessment, I'll say, "Wow, it's a lot better than I think you think you are." That was pretty good. I give that a four, but they gave themselves a two, something like that. It isn't foolproof, you know. Nothing is, and if you don't see an improvement from that visit or from that approach, I, in my experience, there's a good chance that there's something more serious um, that may be distracting that student from doing their best. And so you might want to do a, a little one-on-one in their office or at your desk or in between classes or somehow to kind of pull them aside and, you know, seem like something's bothering you, so forth, so on. I think that this is all part of the needs assessment. And when they're on tech, when they get to answer it on a piece of technology where they're anonymous or they're anonymous except to you, if you collect their email address, or maybe you don't even collect it at all, you just want some general information. You can word or set up your survey or whatever piece of technology, and I'm going to highlight a few of those in a minute, that so that the student feels safe. Safe and happy. Safe and happy. Second reason. A second reason I like using the tech for the needs assessment is it can foster some discussion. I see students talk about their answers when, they've, when they're when they done completing, if I use a Google form, or if I use Answer Garden and they're typing in a one or two word response and they see the words come up, and of course the words get bigger as more people type them in, or uh, then you can start to see uh, the wheels turning, and the discussion kind of happens, and then you can kind of facilitate that. So you try to word your questions on the needs assessment in a way that offers the opportunity also to bring it up in class, but also to, um, my point was, I'm getting into two points, so I that you may have the time as they're doing that needs assessment to kind of have a quick five-minute discussion about it and get the get the gears moving. But then uh, put it into your lesson plan to have maybe a, a little more of a formal discussion. And there are different types of formats for discussion if you're um, – Thinking you don't want it to be a monopolized discussion, there's there's different ones so you can build that skill in your students if if they need the building. Um, if if you think they're good and they're ready to go, then good for you. But the wording of your assessment, the needs assessment, can help start the ball rolling. I also like to show the results because sometimes kids think that they're the only one that feels some way or that everybody feels this way. And then they see, oh, only 52% felt that way. How many of you would rather study this than that? 
how many of you you know don't enjoy this subject or maybe you'll find out holy cow 80% of my kids are really into this and the 20% that are not just need a little help a little fostering need to group them then maybe in a project with some people and because sometimes the excitement or the passion about something is contagious and someone just needs to be with someone who's passionate about it and then all of a sudden, oh, I didn't think of it that way. Maybe that grows that passion for them. Anyway, this is some of what I get from the process. I'm sure you can find your own rewards. Um, but I think fostering the opportunity for discussion and developing that relationship or finding out about students, getting them to self-reflect, and you're finding out what they know. And this isn't 12 questions. This is five, six questions. Doesn't have to be a very long assessment. Okay, so now we've talked about what it can give you. Now let's talk about the tools. Okay, so let me just start right off by just listing a few things that you might want to take a look at or maybe you've used or um, you've heard of and whatever, but you might want to take a minute. Just choose one. I mean, if you've been using uh, tech in your classroom and you're feeling pretty good about, about your abilities, then try a couple of them. Um, the reason I say that is because of the in the previous segment I talked about what I get out of it besides assessing learning gaps. When you use different formats, be it video or even a different type of form or um, a different tool, you're getting the kids to manipulate things in a different direction. Even if you're using the computer and the keyboard, it's how the, the content on the screen gets used and you can foster or reach other children other students. Um, I know I even uh, abdicate for just raising the hand. How many feel this way? How many don't feel this way? And then you count them up and you put down the numbers. I did that for, <clears throat> uh, I think I chose some concert music that way. We had several pieces and I said, okay, pick two. Because I had looked at the pieces and determined that they all taught basically the skills that I wanted to teach the students, but I wanted the students to have some voice because um, that adds to their buy-in, to their to their uh, focus, commitment. So using different types of tech or just raising the hand and writing it on the whiteboard doesn't have to be tech. But as you're doing the needs assessment, and then you do, say, a midway through assessment and then a closing, use different formats. All right, so here's my suggestions. Here are things that I have used and a couple that I have read about and I'm going to try this year. Uh, of course, at the top of the list for me is Google Forms, and I'm going to focus on that a little bit more here in just a moment. But um, it just does everything I needed to do. and um, we use Schoology at my school, and that learning management system pairs pretty well, works pretty nicely with Google, and so I'm able to put those forms right into the learning management system, and the kids can get to it. Uh, SurveyMonkey is another that I have used. Um, some similarities 
in the way it operates, although it's been a while since I've used it. Uh, remind. It used to be Remind 101. I think it's just Remind now, but that's a texting tool. So if you have your students sign into that, then you can always touch base with them. But you can attach a link to the form or to a document I have in here. Use a, a slide or a, a Google a Google Doc if you want them just to fill it out. Um, you have to go through and make sure it's creating a copy for them, that they have to create their own copy and then share it back. That's why I like forms or SurveyMonkey better. You don't have to worry about that, but maybe that would work for you. Maybe that worked for you in another instance. Uh, but you can hook that into Remind. Flipgrid is a video. People make a short video about what they they like. So maybe you put two questions and have them create a video of themselves answering it. Uh, Padlet and Wakelet are two tools that do similar things. They're able to culminate digital um, media type text boxes, put a video in, a picture, um, of of the content that you're discussing, collecting things, perhaps you do it in a way that uh, you ask them to create a padlet that shows certain types of uh, rectangles. And so they find pictures and video or maybe take a picture of something in the room. You can also put that in. It puts it on what they call a wall. And then you can share that. You can show it with, to the class. Most all of these you can show or share. And I think that's an important step to take when you're doing the needs assessment to share the results. All right. I wanted to take a moment and go to Google Forms. I'm clicking right now on my computer. And... Go through the add-ons. I think it's a good idea if you use a particular piece of tech to check back with it because almost all of the all of the pieces of tech that I'm seeing have grabbed on to the thought of having add-ons or extra tools that um sorry, my computer's not working, of course, while I'm trying to talk. Uh, are extra tools that uh, enhance the experience. Not all, but many do. All right. Where did it go? Okay. Here we go. It wasn't happy with me. I had my screen split and I didn't want to put it up there. So I, I like to go to the add-ons and in Google Forms, I have a few that make things a little bit easier. One one is called um, Require All. Um, there are, there's one for Form Limiter, which limits the number of times uh, an answer. Uh, is given, so that's all good for scheduling, but I believe the last time I used it, I was able to uh, have it limit, so if someone answered a question then and it was wrong, that that would go away. Um, I could be mistaken on that one, but I know there are some add-ons for that. I did see one for badges, so if you're a badge user 
awarder. There are a couple of badge uh, awarders. I don't think they're creators. So there are several that allow you to put images in, make it a little, you know, a little more visually. You know, if that's what you need, you can already add an image in all your questions on Google Forms. But um, there are some that they're a little more enhanced. So you have to kind of click and you add them. They're free. There's no cost. Um, and here's one that says check it out. This one will create a question for items that are in and another that are out. Items will be moved between the questions on submission. Sometimes these are created for business, but if you take a look at them, they might work in your classroom for what you're doing. Form director. Turn your Google Form submissions into doc sheets. You can send them to different Google tools. They do take a little time, but it's like anything else. Once you learn how to use it, uh, here's Choice Eliminator. That's what I was talking about. Once you use it, um, you get quicker at it. Uh, there was a timer. So you could put a timer within each of the forms. Uh, there was one more that I saw that I thought was kind of cool, and I think it's uh, new-ish. You know, here's something that gets me. Here's a SurveyMonkey for Google Forms. So you can export your form to SurveyMonkey to create powerful surveys. Okay? If that's what you want to do. For me, the survey, the form is has... Um, function to be fairly simple questions straight ahead um, and I use them either to collect data names and phone numbers and so forth so I have a separate list although yes we have the school has all of that but sometimes people use other numbers that they'd rather be contacted at uh, and the students also with students having cell phones you can collect that information sizes you know uniform numbers those things those types of things you can create or uh, do the needs assessment to see where students are at. I also have students create. I still find that to be a useful tool in getting them to understand content. Here's one called Populate Docs. Automatically fill custom docs templates with data submitted in Google Forms. So take a minute. What you do is you go open up your Google Form. And then you go to the three dots to the right of the send, and down next to last choice is add-ons, and it will open up something that looks similar to, say, the web store, Chrome store, with different icons and the titles. And again, some of these were made for business. Some of them are for education. But when you choose one, it, you'll go through a couple of permission to attach it. Then, to find it, there is a puzzle piece that is the first icon, or furthest icon left of the send button. It looks like a little puzzle piece, and you'll see a list. My list includes app sheet, doc appender, email, notifications. Some that I have used, some that I mean to try. So, Google Forms has been my kind of my go-to. doesn't have to be yours, but... For my purposes, it has been awesome, excellent choice. So you take 
and take a look at things and decide. Choose one. doesn't have to be super complicated. But I, I guarantee you, once you use it once and make it on a simple form and you see how it works, you'll want to take some more time and do some more. All right, that's it for this episode. Next is your tech treat. It's tech treat time on episode 58. Tech treat is phone apps. If you haven't started using Google Drive, Docs, Slides, and Google Keep, Gmail, I highly suggest it. If you're not a Gmail user, uh, using some some of the other apps, um, well, it probably won't work because they run everything off of a Gmail account. Uh, I have about four. Uh, one for school and two or three here for home. And uh, within all of those, then you sign into your email and then all of your stuff, wherever computer location you're at, will come up. I really uh, like Drive and Keep. My phone has become more my computer. I, in fact, yesterday I got my Chromebook out for school, which is really rare for me. Uh, I haven't had it out in a week and a half or so, uh, so I had to get it charged up because uh, I've been doing things on my phone. If I needed to create something, of course, I'll get on uh, and create. But I got to tell you, on my phone, uh, and I have a Note 9, um, I can create a lot of the things that I would create on my computer. It doesn't look the same. Um, well, let me say that again. It doesn't always seem like it's going to look right at first because the keyboard and things get smushed around. And then often when I close my keyboard and I take a look at it, it's fine. The document looks great. So you want to take a look at using the, the Google Drive app. You can switch between the different drives if you have them. You can search. Uh, you can add things to the drive from, from your phone as you're searching. Um, there are so many opportunities here now that before it used to be more of kind of just this little hub where you could see what you had, but you couldn't always see the document or the, the uh, PDF or whatever you had. But now you can see it all. And I think a lot of that has to do with phones have gotten better. I think Drive was always there. It's just the, the playing nice and communication between Drive and phones has really, really uh it's it's amazing to me what it, what you can do now. Uh, you know, if you're creating a lot of documents, you want to create a presentation. That's much better. Slides is much better. Um, you can see their slides. It looks a lot like what you see on on your Chromebook or on uh, a computer. Um, it, there, of course, there's limitations, and you have to search for a few things because the phone's smaller, so your menus are often, well, you have like three or four or five menus on your computer, you get two. And so, but a lot of times those five menus are within those two on your phone, and you just have to take a look and find it. The neat thing for slides is as well as you can present on your phone or with your phone, um, there's an extension that slides have, or an uh, extension, no, I think it's an add-on. It's this remote, and it's a very simple remote, forward and back, and that's, I mean, it's nothing, nothing fancy, but your phone turns into a, a remote right on the screen, and you just touch it to, to control it. So if your computer is hooked in and showing over a projector, your phone can connect to the slide presentation and show it on your computer, and... It'd be just like a big pro. So take a look at all of those. 
those apps. The last one that I mentioned was Google Keep. If you haven't noticed that it appears on the right-hand side of your screen on your computer with the little yellow idea post-it note, uh, light bulb, excuse me, post-it note, um, these are it's an awesome uh, uh, to-do lists and lists of things, uh, collection of things, but you also can take a picture and keep. And if you take it on your phone and then you click on that little yellow icon on the right-hand side of your computer, may take a minute, but it will show up there, and you can add things from Keep to any of the Google apps, on your computer, that is. So it just the things are working together very quickly, uh, and much quicker than they used to. Used to be able to do this kind of stuff, but you you know took a picture and had to wait an hour or two or three. It's not that long now. It's just a few minutes, if, if that. And I like that aspect that I can take a picture of something and include it. Uh, musically speaking, music has uh, taken a picture of that to show whatever I need to talk about musically. So there's your treat. Um, should should uh, should give you a lot to think about, and I hope that uh, this episode gets you going, gets you started for this year. Again, a lot of these things are tools that I talked about before. Things that you've probably read about if you've been looking at tech. If you're new and just coming in, definitely want to start uh, start you with Google. That seems to be one of the more popular tools for, for the classroom. Windows has um, their platform as well. So does Apple. And many of the learning management systems have their own similar tools. But Google seems to be the leading uh, tool that you want to take a look at. And get get involved in, and I think most educators are. Um, but if you're just if you know if you're just getting started, be patient uh, because I guarantee you you're going to have some failures, and just come back at it. Just be persistent. Don't let it beat you because it will help you. Don't don't feel like you're a failure because you didn't get it right the first time. All right, you take care. This has been Old Dog New Tech with Jeff West. You can reach me at olddognewtech10 at gmail.com. That's olddognewtech10 at gmail.com. Send me an email or leave me a review on iTunes. And remember, when integrating tech into your classroom, don't try to be perfect. Just be patient.